When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you want a da-da-da? What do you want a da-da-da? I'm not a da with a da-da-da. We could switch to Progressa da-da. Oh, yeah. We could switch to Progressa and za. Mm-hmm. We could za and have to buy some za. Oh, yeah. Let's switch to Progressa da-da and get some za with the money we saw. Yeah. Now we know we're going to da 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 These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. It might just be the most normal thing you da-da-da. Quote da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into what we're calling the Beavis and Butthead edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast because the Blackhawks just can't score. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago and with me as always is the one and the only Jay Zawoski. Jay, what the hell is going on with these Blackhawks, man? We thought they were going to be this offensive juggernaut when they were scoring gobs of goals earlier in the season and now all of a sudden they seem like they can't hit the broad side of a barn. What the heck happened to them? Well, let's talk about the last two games because those are fresh in everybody's mind. Those are the ones everybody's upset about. The Nashville game, I don't really have a problem with. Pecorine was just outstanding. The Hawks uh, had the edge in play most of that game. They probably should have won that game. They played well enough to win that game. I thought they played pretty well defensively. I I didn't mind what I saw in that game. Yeah, you'd like to see them come away with a win, but they were competitive. They were much better than the games before. Now, last night was a different story. Last night against Colorado was really bad a 6-2 loss against a team that started hot just like the Hawks and just like the Hawks are fading lately 
Uh, they just lost 7 nothing the night before, so you knew you were going to get a decent response from Colorado. Um, how much of that game, before we get into really breaking it down, did you put on Anton Forsberg? I thought he was horrible. Oh, yeah, he was absolutely horrendous, yeah. They, the, the Avs did have some very good scoring chances. I mean, you get, like, two-on-one rushes. You get guys, like, completely uncovered in the slot. It's really hard to blame a goaltender in those kinds of situations, but at the same time, Anton Forsberg did not look like himself last night. He did not look like the guy that, you know, basically earned that job and pushed Jean-Francois Verube down to the minors. Like, he look like your average run-of-the-mill NHL backup goaltender last night. And frankly, the Blackhawks cannot have that with him. They need him to be that solid backup that you can rely upon to win a game for you here and there when you're giving your regular guy the night off. They need him to be able to do that. And frankly, he wasn't good enough last night. Now, I still stand by what I said, that the Hawks were giving away way too many quality opportunities they weren't covering guys that were wide open I still am trying to figure out what Patrick Sharp was doing I think on the fourth goal of the game when they scored a I think it was a shorty and he just looked completely lost out there trying to defend basically no one because everyone just kind of skated past him and got to the puck with you know relative ease and it was just a bad night overall and I think that we can't let that that go unsaid that uh, Forsberg was really bad last night. Well, there's been a trend of things here. And, and as we previewed the season, and even as the season got off to the hot start, we said there's going to be nights like last night, right? There's going to be nights like the Penguins game where they are unstoppable scoring and they're lighting it up and they've got a lot of offensive talent. So those nights are going to happen. But there's also going to be those nights where they cannot keep the puck out of the back of their net. Last night was one of those. And here's the, a, a common trend I've seen, not just last night, but kind of as the season's gone on here, I've never seen Joel Quenville's system break down so frequently. Mm-hmm. You see guys who have been here. You just mentioned Patrick Sharp. I've seen it happen with Brandon Sod. I've seen it happen with Patrick Kane. You've seen guys who have played in this system for a long time look lost and make just mind-boggling decisions time and time again, not to mention all the guys you'd expect that from, like Forsling and Ruda and all the new guys who are here this year who are just getting their NHL legs under them. The system's broken down a lot. That, coupled with their apparent lack of team speed and abysmal power play and a not-so-great penalty kill, that's a formula for a bad team. And it's concerning right now. I mean, if you bring... Cody Franzen played last night for the first... was the second game of the year, right? And brought he brought a level of control and, and uh, professionalism to the ice... That guy who stood out is like, holy cow, look at Cody Franzen. Look at him getting the puck on net during a power play. Look at him yep. being in position defensively. That's a guy you couldn't get on the ice for the for, for 10 of the first 12 games. And he's the one that's going to go out there and be the difference? Right now, from what I saw from him, he cannot sit. He's no. the only one with any semblance of understanding of what a power play should look like. You've got Nick Schmaltz. This is in the Nashville game. Three Predators meet him at the blue line, and he thinks he's going to stick handle through them. No. What, to go back. I was I was really, because I love being at the, at the games because you really get a look at the whole ice. As soon as the Hawks would begin their breakout against Nashville, they would have two guys in the neutral zone, two guys back, and then as the Hawks got tor- like to the, you know, to the neutral zone, all four guys would sort of meet at the blue line. 
and the Hawks refuse, as we've said for years and years and years, refuse to duck, dump the puck in no matter how little success they were having. And that, and there you go. Turnover, puck goes the other way, no power. What did the Hawks have, six power plays against Nashville? I stopped keeping track because it was a really depressing scene where they just literally could not do anything on the power play. It was the ultimate momentum killer. It was one of the more frustrating evenings in that regard that I can remember. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that you're right. But well, I know well, it was at least five God. because we won a free Chick-fil-A sandwich, which is a cool promotion. <laughs> if the opposition <laughs> takes five or more penalties, you get a free Chick-fil-A sandwich, which is beautiful. It's just, I'm, trying to fi- I'm trying to figure out the logic behind that. Is it a punishment to get a sandwich from Chick-fil-A? Like, is that what they're going for? No, it's the, if the opposition gets gets uh, five penalties. So it's uh, they're punishing the sins, you know, because Chick-fil-A is the religious voice in this nation. Okay, there you go. I think you nailed it now. <laughs> they're yeah, yeah, yeah. Pu- punishing the sins of the other team, as yep. Chick-fil-A has been given the authority to do, apparently. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just overall frustrating and then you're seeing and i don't know if like the fast start had something to do with the hawks really believing how they're really really great you're seeing them trying to make these super low percentage plays that are constantly broken up you know pat like cross ice passes are constantly blocked and broken up the teams know they're coming the hawks just do nothing to adapt how they're playing when things aren't working and it was that way when they were good they just had the talent to overcome it and I know Joe Quenville doesn't want to, and his staff don't want to say, okay, look, you know, they don't want to take, they don't want to neuter them. They want them to be offensively creative. They want them to use their ability to create scoring chances. I get that. But when the Western Conference champion Nashville Predators are meeting you four men at the blue line, you might want to think about trying something else. Mm-hmm. You're, you're definitely speaking my language here, man. And I think when you said earlier that you didn't have much of a problem with the nashville effort the other night that's the first thing i thought of was how ridiculously low percentage so many of the shots and so many of the opportunities they were taking were and i get the idea that you want quantity at some points you want to just pepper shots on net you want to absolutely make a goaltender work and even when they got i think it was 21 shots in the first period of that nashville game i don't feel like they made pecorine work at all they basically just were firing at the big white target. That's the color of their jersey, by the way. Uh, I, I realized that as soon as I said it. but No, that's his nickname. The big white target? The big white target, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. No, I was referring to his jersey color. <laughs> Angry emails coming. Um, oh, we have to address that too, by the way. I owe someone an apology, so we'll, we'll do that we, next. I think we both do. Keep going, yeah. though. Yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, he just, he literally, it was just like, Hey, I, I see this goaltender, let's shoot at him. And they really didn't make him work a whole hell of a lot, even as they got like 21 shots on goal. So I like the intensity. I like the effort during times of that game. The problem was I didn't like the shot selection because they were either way far away or they were in the slot, but they were just like ripping it at him when he still had very clear views. So it, it was an effort that I feel like could have been done better, and I like the intensity, but they needed more intelligence behind those shots. I always hate questioning the effort of a team, right? Like, oh, they're not trying. People do it in baseball all the time. Like, if the Cubs aren't hitting, they don't care. 
<laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, this team's quit. They don't care about winning. Well, they're not getting hit. So, of course, it's going to look that way, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in hockey, if you're not scoring goals, it looks that way sometimes, too. And, and I hate to do that, but it just – there have been times, and I took some heat for this the other day, but where Patrick Kane just looks not engaged. He just doesn't look interested in playing on the other side, on the other end of the ice. He'll go and just kind of, like, wave his stick and try to, okay, well, you know, nothing – it didn't come to me. And and he's good enough to continue being a, towards the top of the league in scoring, and he will by, you know, playing 50% effort defensively and 100% effort offensively. But it's just kind of as a team, there's been moments of just, like, lax play. In Nashville, there was a puck that rolled past Brandon side. He didn't know it was there. Happened to Patrick <laughs> Sharp last night. Like, just where's the focus? Where's the intensity? And we heard all about how, oh, you know, the Hawks are, they're fired up, they're angry that they were swept in the first round of the playoffs. I haven't seen it. You know, yeah, they came out guns blazing this year with a crazy game against the Penguins and then another great night against the the Blue Jackets. But since then, it hasn't been much to talk about, man. It's been, they're below 500 now. They're 5 5 and 2. And they started red hot. It's just, it's concerning. And I don't, you know, this is part of what we asked for though right we asked for young players to play we asked for young guys to be allowed to develop at the nhl level and that's happening and again i'm trying not to overreact to one or two nights but some of the problems have been you know veteran and coaching and those are the two sort of things that you needed to rely on for this team if you were going to play the young players and develop the young players you needed the veterans to pull their weight and you needed the coaching staff to pull their weight and so far, I'm I'm unhappy with the efforts of both. Mm-hmm. Again, you're you're spitting a lot of truth there, and I think that we're kind of getting to the crux of the issue, which is that it seems like they came out of the gate with something to prove, with a burr under their saddle, whatever analogy you want to use. And for whatever reason, knowing that it's an 82 game season and you can't sustain that effort level for all 82 games whether it's they know they've done this before where they have gotten off to kind of a weaker start, but they know that the real money is made later in the season and you'll see an uptick in effort then. We've heard for years all the time that the Blackhawks are just using the 82-game regular season to get tuned up for the playoffs. And I think the problem they're going to possibly run into this year is going to be similar to the problem they ran into in the 2010-2011 season where – they were struggling to suppress shots at times. They were struggling to put the puck in the net at times. And they needed a Herculean effort from Corey Crawford to get to the playoffs that season. They barely made it. They made it the last day of the season because the Dallas Stars lost, I believe, was why they got in. And I I hope that they're not going to try to rely on a late season surge or the luck of others losing in order to get into the playoffs. I don't want this team to coast for a 30, 40 game stretch and win a decent number of games. I'm sure because you still have some very talented players on this roster, but at the same time, that attitude of treating the regular season, like it doesn't matter. It, it matters. And I know that they got the top seed in the central division last year. And I know it didn't mean diddly squat when they got into the playoffs and were railroaded by Nashville. I hope they're not thinking to themselves, well, we were tired. That's why. And blah. no, you got railroaded because Nashville was an incredibly good team and you had speed deficiencies on that team. You had physicality deficiencies on that team. 
You've addressed that a little bit this year. Let's get this thing rolling in the right direction well before April rolls around because I got news for you. You get you rest back on your laurels and you sit back. This thing could spiral really quickly. You don't have the defense where you can just go, ah, we'll put it on autopilot and we'll be get No! No, 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 no. You do not have the ability to do that. You need to come to the rink every night and give a strong effort because teams are gunning for you. Teams in this conference especially are really good, and you're going to have a problem if you try to just kind of coast into the playoffs because I got news for you. It's not happening. Well, very simply, the roster is not good enough for them to just coast to the playoffs. All right, time for our first time out. Uh, but before we go, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, 815-723-9371. Famous for their amazing poor boy sandwiches. They are world famous. They should be world famous. I think people around the world have had Marishka sandwiches, so I'm safe saying that. World famous. Uh, great burgers, great chops, great seafood. They've got an awesome bar stocked with the best craft beer you can find. Uh, just a great location. Family owned and operated since 1933. Right there, like I said, in Crest Hill. 815-723-9371. Go see Joe and the great people at Marishka's. You will love it. You will enjoy it. And you will. Uh, it'll change your life. I'm, I'm confident in saying that, that Marishka's will change your life. All right, quick timeout. When we come back, a bit of a correction, a bit of an apology for myself and I think from James. We'll be right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking a lot today about the Blackhawks and their struggles and how wonderful it's been to watch this team kind of go into coast mode at exactly the wrong time. But we're going to take a little bit of a diversion from Blackhawks talk because uh, last week when we recorded it, it was in the aftermath of Andrew Shaw and what had appeared to some to be yet another incident of him using a homophobic term in the penalty box during a game against the Ducks and Jay and I rightfully when you know you thought that that's what he said we criticized him we criticized you can play team we talked about the usage of those words in sports and how you shouldn't default to that unfortunately the entire argument that we put forth was undermined by the fact that it's been ruled by both the NHL and uh, lip readers from I believe you said Jay out sports um, both came to the conclusion that Andrew Shaw did not use a homophobic slur. And Jay and I wanted to publicly apologize both to the NHL and to Andrew Shaw for criticizing him for something that he did not say. That it was not, I mean, obviously, you know, we had, we had no idea, you know, that's not what he said at the time, etc., that's still not going to you know, shield us from having to apologize publicly to both of those entities, and especially to Andrew, because, you know what, if, if I didn't say something and I got accused of saying it, I would want an apology too. So we owe that to Andrew, we owe that to the NHL, and we owe that to you, our listeners. So we apologize for, uh, for not handle, for not you know, being correct in our accusations and in our statements. Yeah, I think you said that very well. And I want to thank uh, emailer Ryan Tennant, one of our regular emailers, uh, for alerting us to the Outsports article. Um, you know, this is our, uh, I don't know, it's a hobby, sort of, I guess you'd call it, or a third job for us. So sometimes we don't we don't see everything. We don't uh, catch every story. Um, and, I, you know, I watched the video several times. I was pretty confident with what I saw. But the lip reader said uh, what she saw looked like he was saying, call it effing fair. 
or that's not effing fair or something like that instead of the homophobic alternative to the F word. And I need to say something else, too. Last week, I presented other things for Andrew to say, like, uh, you know, D canoe and other things. And I I actually used a homophobic term I never realized was homophobic. And the emailer alerted me to that. I was like, oh, that's I didn't even I didn't even associate that with homophobia. And I used it. Uh, I went back and took it out. Uh, but I, for those people that listened in the first hour, hour and a half of the podcast being released, they may have heard it. Uh, so I'm sorry I used that. It was complete ignorance on my part to not know that that was a uh, term used for uh, gay people. Uh, so I won't use that again in any context ever. I just thought it was a combination of bad words put together, and it didn't mean anything further than that. Kind of like douche canoe. You know, mm-hmm. the word I use, I just figure was along those lines of random stuff. Nope. Yep. It was a slur, and I did not know it, so uh, my bad. Uh, won't happen again. And uh, yeah, good week for us. Really yeah, great. Per- really terrible week. We did bad. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I, look, we're sorry. I mean, I, I am sincerely sorry. I felt awful about it so much so that I saw the email at one thirty in the morning uh, about the term I use. Ran downstairs, re-edited the podcast completely, and reposted it because mm-hmm. I did not want that out there. And I told the guy I would address it, and I did, and I have, and. Uh, I still feel awful for it, um, but I, again, yes, apologies to Andrew Shaw, apologies to the league, apologies to uh, anyone who took offense by the stupid term I used, uh, unwillingly, unknowingly, uh, but nonetheless, there's no excuse, shouldn't be using that. So, anyway, moving on. Yep, paired uh, from the vocabulary and noted. Friday night, I was at the Hawks game, very fun. My uncle is a, uh, I don't know, something business i don't know what it is like an equity trader he's got a good job and his company has a suite at the united center so for the first time in like 20 years i was in a suite um and i said oh i've got this great vantage point for this entire game right there's no one standing in front of me not a lot of distractions got a clear view of the ice i'm gonna focus on brent seabrook the entire game and i'm gonna tell you we have been very hard on him and other fans have been very hard on him as well what I saw from Brent Seabrook for 95% of the game was very solid defense. A dude in good position, a guy using his stick correctly, using his physicality well when he needs to, a savvy veteran making good passes when he needs to, knows where the guy is going to be, uh, played a very solid game against Nashville. And I don't know if this was just maybe his best game of the year. I did not see him as the defensive disaster that I've observed him being on television. And look, You're limited in your view of what's happening on TV. And yes, there were times, this is what I saw when it looked bad. When speed is coming directly at him, he's in big trouble, right? (laughs) When when someone was like, if it's Philip Forsberg or somebody along those lines is zooming right at him, he's going to have some trouble turning and getting, you know, catching that player. That's a problem for him. But overall, I think he still provides pretty solid number three, number four defense. Uh, yes, the contract is still a huge problem. Yes, it's still only going to get worse as years go on. But what I saw Friday night against Nashville, and I watched every time he was on the ice, I just isolated on him. I watched everything he did. And I was impressed by how uh, how good he still was. I know it sounds like it sounds kind of crazy, but when you watch a guy who's played that many games at that high of a level, just his knowledge is going to get him in the right place and doing the right things most of the time. But those moments where he's exposed, that speed, that's the thing. And even if it's 
you know, not straight dead ahead, but if there's a guy behind the net and he has to close on the crease, he's not going to get there. And that's why you've seen him look bad so many times because you're seeing him get burned. You're seeing people skate past him and he's just left in her dust, or you're seeing a guy break to the net and he can't get there. The speed is the issue. It's not the knowledge of the game. It's not the passes. It's not anything else. It's just his inability to get anywhere quickly anymore. That's that's really Brent Seabrook's main problem. It, he has the recognition. He does not have the athleticism or the speed to turn that recognition into plays when it comes to stuff like that. If he can position himself correctly and the play goes the way that he is envisioning it going in his head, he's fine. It's that adjustment period that it's just like, nope, can't do it. Is that an accurate way of describing it? Yeah, definitely. He just and it's not it's it's not an unwillingness. It's an inability. He just exactly. cannot. He right. just can't get his legs under him quickly enough to get over there. And he, he knows st- it's coming, but he can't do it. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that's probably what it's going to be for Brent Seabrook from here on out. But you could see when Joel Quenville says, "Oh, I think he played well overall," aside from those two or three plays you saw him get absolutely toasted in a mm-hmm. game. It's hard for a fan to understand. Like, how can he say that? How can Toast. Q? That sounds good, right? All I had is a granola yeah. bar today. Um, but, you know, you could say when Coach Q says, hey, he had a good game overall, he played very well, said a couple bad moments. I think that's sort of what he's talking about is, yeah, for 95% of the time, he's doing the right thing, making the right plays, playing smart, playing well. It's just those moments where he needs to be fast and he's not, it's going to make him look really bad. So, I, you know, I, I'm not going to back off. and I, I still think he's, you know, it's going to be a problem for a long time, a really long time. But uh, I still think he's got some value. I'm not ready to completely bail on Brent Seabrook just yet. We have some NHL news, Jay. Oh, what do we got? It's a guy that uh, I'm sure Blackhawks fans have been familiar with because they were wanting him to sign with the Hawks and play with Artemi Panarin. Obviously, that plan completely exploded when Panarin signed or was traded to Columbus. Vadim Shapachov. The Vegas Golden Knights, $4.5 million a season man, has been suspended for leaving the Chicago Wolves. And the expectation is that they will either trade him or they will terminate his contract and he will go back to Russia. Well, bullet dodged. <laughs> yeah, clearly. I mean, it should, but he, you can't, I guess it's a different situation if he was here versus in Vegas. But look, man, that team is rolling. I talked yeah. about the the Avalanche's seven nothing loss. It was to the Golden Knights. <laughs> that was they're good. At what I, at what point do we stop saying small sample size with the Knights? I, I to me it's like at the like twenty to twenty like around Thanksgiving, honestly, right? I mean that's historically in the NHL, if you're in a playoff spot at Thanksgiving, you're in really good shape. Like that that that's what the data has borne out that's whatever like the common he- commonly held wisdom is on this i'd say if they're still rolling by thanksgiving i'm gonna feel better about their chances i just i still feel like the goaltending situation is going to be an issue at some point and who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the regression monster does not come back to get them. But I still, man, they're an expansion team. You don't assume that they're going to keep playing. You know, I know they're not going to keep playing at this level. Yeah, they're 8-1-0. Yeah, that's not going to continue. By the way, congratulations to the Arizona Coyotes who are off to the worst start in NHL history. Your guys. Oh, my God. 0-10-1. Yes. But that and, one, though. 
That was a good game. <laughs> Man, at one point, it was really good. Who could forget? You, you, They're going to raise a banner like the Washington Capitals would do. <laughs> we got a point. <laughs> that game, we got a point. <laughs> oh man, I have I have no idea what the hell to make of any of that. Anymore. You know what they should do? Uh, what? Trade Nicholas Jalmerson back to the Blackhawks and eat all of his salary. Nah, screw that. They should trade Oliver Ekman Larson here and eat all of his salary. All right, Ekman Larson and Jalmerson for Seabrook. Mm-hmm. The, you know what the Coyotes need? Veteran leadership. They need veteran leadership and they need <laughs> salary cap. Yeah, they, they need they, more. <laughs> they need more bad money under under salary cap. Exactly. They should trade him Hosa too, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. Correct. Yeah. What? A, well, the problem see, is I'm that, getting things done. Damn it. No. See, <laughs> you have more control over whether or not he retires if that happens. Damn it. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. And that, and then they also lose the uh, incentive to keep knocking money off the cap recapture if he continues to be under contract because. Once you trade him away, you're not deriving the you're not it's not deriving the benefit. It's the opposite. You know, of you're ruining this podcast with down. your facts. Yeah, I'm just saying, man, it's not <laughs> trading Marion Hosa is not a smart idea. You you leave him alone. You leave him in his handsome suits and his awesome haircut. You leave him alone. All right, I will. You know, I love Marion anyway. I I do. Too. I just want him around. Just the presence. The presence yeah. is a good thing. Have you been to the UC this year for a game? No, I have not. I believe they've added a – I wasn't there late last year either. Uh, have they added a, uh, a in-rink uh, activities leader woman person? Is that new to you? I have not been to – oh, this is going to be funny when I say this. I have not been to a Blackhawks game at the United Center since game six of the 2015 Stanley Cup final. Jeez. Yeah. I have not been to the UC in a very long time. You know what? You don't get to go to a lot of games on a uh, sports blogger's salary. That's not how this goes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, they had in-rink entertainment girl. I think her name was – I'm sorry. I, I, I just thought of this really last night after observing it for three hours. I didn't get her name. Um, she was very good. I just think it's an odd – I always thought the Hawks would sort of not do that. That'd be something, that, and I don't care. I'm not mad about it at all. I just wondered yeah. how new it was. So they have a, a female leading like um, in crowd promotions and stuff. They used to have Gene Honda just make the announcement, and the ice crew would be there. Now they have a girl with a mic, sort of leading things. And I, when I was in D.C. for the uh, NLDS, the Nationals had a guy like that, and it was just kind of it felt so minor league to me. You know, like do we need a guy like between innings keeping people entertained? Is that really necessary? But, uh yes yes it is have I you guess. seen the crowds at the united center they they don't engage unless something like that is happening where unless t-shirts are falling from the ceiling yeah, that fans too. do not fan oh yeah well i'm saying fans don't they don't engage a lot at the uc and that's not a knock necessarily it's just a fact well like, it's, it's they, just it is a higher price ticket and you're getting a and this is not a I don't know. Maybe it is. I'm not trying to be classist here, but I think that people with a lot of money are less likely to go let loose at a game or a concert or something like that, right? It's just kind of a. Sometimes it's a. They're there with clients or they're there with business people and they got to act a certain way. When I used to go to Hawks games, you know, back when they sucked in the Alex Jamnov era and the Boris Mironov era, you know, we would go for fun. We'd go get hammered and we would cheer our asses off, right? Yeah. I think that that sort of crowd has 
gone away. And I'm not saying that rich people don't cheer at games. That's not what I'm saying. I just think in general, when you're looking at the 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 group of people at a Hawks game, a lot of them are businessmen with clients or you know uh, things like that. It's just it's a less the prices of the tickets are less induce are less inducive to a, a rowdy crowd. I guess is a yeah. short way of saying it. Yeah, well, you know, it, yeah, I think you're right, and I, I, I struggle not to make this kind of like a classist thing, like you said, but I have noticed that the more, the higher the ticket prices are, generally the lower the volume of a stadium goes. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, and and the other thing, I don't know. I, you're right. It, it, it we're like treading a fine line of like general of overly generalizing here. I just think that you look at a crowd like the Buffalo Bills, right? Like the Bills Mafia. For the most part, those are not high-income people. They're people that have a limited amount of expendable income. They use it once a week to go to a Buffalo Bills game, get hammered, and have the time of their lives, and then go home and go back to their jobs, whatever they may be, blue-collar or white-collar. You know, it's just. But when you see a, a crowd like at the United Center or even at Cubs games, it's a higher-income, higher-priced ticket, and it just sort of people like that are priced out yep yeah i don't know it's uh you know the the anthem isn't even really loud anymore it's just and i'm not i'm not complaining about it it's just it is what it is it's a, that's what comes with success is higher price tickets and a different crowd and a different atmosphere and winning also raises expectations too where a regular season game against the national predators isn't really worth getting that fired up about anymore because all that matters is the playoffs so you have that mindset in it too and I, I feel that same way where i used to live and die with regular season games you know because that was really all you had back then as a hawks fan was every point mattered every every game was a playoff game because you knew you were just going to squeak in if you were going to get in at all now it's almost assumed like well they're going to get into the playoffs it's just a matter of how far they go and that's really when you choose to get excited so it's a number of things it's not just ticket price or people in the crowd i think it's just an overall sense of the importance of a regular season game too well yeah and, and you obviously have a lot more experience at the uc um you, you have a lot more experience going to games there than i do since i general i've only been to you know a handful of games especially in like recent years because obviously i i feel like i kind of got priced out a little bit and I, I definitely agree with you, and I think that I think it's a fair thing to say that the arena has been surprisingly quiet a lot of the time during the team's successful run. And what's the common denominator here? It's the ticket prices and the clientele that the team is catering to. And you know what? It's fine. You're you're rolling in the bucks. You're signing free agents. You've been competitive. I mean, the business plan is definitely working and obviously it's working on the ice too because you keep getting to the postseason and that's you know the goal is to be competitive for titles but i i do miss the atmosphere of those days when the team stunk and the arena was you know half full but still loud because it was all the drunken yahoos you know being silly after buying like three dollar tickets <laughs> like well dude that's how when my wife and i started dating we were basically set up because we were the only my my our mutual friend knew two blackhawks fans me and her and she's like you guys should meet and go to games together and now we're married uh and we would go for eight dollars a game with our student ids mm -hmm. and it was you know walk up 
two minutes before the game, hey, two student tickets, here you go, no line at the box office, right? Walk in and pick your own section, basically. And we yep. had this group of friends, we always agreed to sort of sit in the 329, 330 areas where we spent every game, was right there with the same people, and then after the game, we'd all go out, and we'd all go out and drink, and then we'd go home and do the do it again the next game. It was just part of, that was our routine. And you said you miss it, and I, I miss that part of it too. I miss the accessibility of a Hawks game. I miss the camaraderie, and there is some camaraderie in losing. There really is. There's, you, you gain, you know, you get character. Char- losing builds character, I guess you'd say. And I have a lot of memories with those people, many of which I'm still very good friends with, from just going to games, watching the Hawks suck, and going out and drink our sorrows away. There was a camaraderie in that that I miss. However... I would never trade it for what we've had <laughs> over the last decade. I would never yeah. go back to that. I would never opt to go back. Yeah, there's parts of it I miss, sure, but I'll trade all of that, and I would have said that back then for for winning anytime without hesitation. Yep. Completely agree with you, my friend. Well said. All right, let's take one more time out before we uh, – then we're going to – well, it won't be one more. It'll be two more because we got to get ready for emails. we got to get mentally prepared – what you don't know is before emails, James and I, we meditate for 20 minutes just to get in the yep. right mindset. And I just edit that 20 minutes out and we started off refreshed. So we're going to take a quick time out before we do. want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports, 708-478-6090. The best place to go if you need your NHL jersey lettered, numbered, looking right. It'll look like it looks on the ice at the United Center, even with the Pollyanna collars. If you like those, they got them for you. But also, <laughs> did you know, and you should know by now, that if you have a team, you got a baseball team, softball team, football team, lacrosse team, whatever, Triple Threat Sports can help you design everything for that team. Jerseys, T-shirts. You want to look like a pro team? Cool. They'll hook you up. You want to wear a T-shirt with a single color pressed on it? They can do that for you, too, and it's going to look great either way. So check out Triple Threat Sports at TripleThreatSports.com or call Chris, 708-478-6090. That's 708 708- Four seven eight six zero nine zero. Go get your jerseys printed at Triple Threat Sports. Email Chris at triplethreatsports.com for more info. More to come on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking about a wide variety of topics today. Man, we've been all over the map. Probably because the Blackhawks have just been so annoying to watch lately. We're playing but. this game like we're playing this podcast like the Hawks play their system. Just whatever we feel like at any time. Yeah, just do it kind of erratically. Whatever. You know what? People come to us for our opinions on random things. That's what I say. Dang it. And one of those random things has been the play recently of one Alex DeBrinkett, who is now immune from going back to juniors this season, or if he does, the Blackhawks are done. So, we need to talk about the fact that this kid now does not know what line he's going to be on on a given night because he was with Jonathan Taves and Brandon Saad on Friday against Nashville, and then Saturday against Colorado, he was with Tommy Wingles and Ryan Hartman. And I, I want to know, Jay, wh- what do you think of the way that uh, Mr. Debrinkit has been bounced around the last few games is that good for him is that bad for him what's going on here it's hard to say and i still haven't seen him on the line i want to see him with which is with schmaltz and kane um the game against nashville where he played with sod and taves uh had one shot on goal in 14 shifts 13 minutes 35 seconds of ice time um you'd expect more 
from a kid with that kind of talent on that kind of line. Uh, okay, it's one game. Last night on the fourth line, he had an assist, uh, and that was really the only line doing much of anything yesterday. Um, so, I mean... I want to see him in the top six. He cannot be on the bottom six. It makes zero sense to me. At least the, it, it can't be on the fourth line. If you want to call that third line like 2B or whatever, fine. But he cannot mm-hmm. be on the fourth line. With Tommy Wingle, it, come on. Now it's just an insult. And and you promote him to the first line in the Colorado game. Now it's putting him on the fourth line of punishment. Like what sort of a – this is this is Tavo stuff, man. It's the same crap Uh-oh. that they were doing with Tavo. Uh-oh. And you're Tavos. wondering, like, it's, it's you know, it's funny. We were talking about this during the break, and my mindset was different. And now just sort of talking it through, I'm getting upset about it. It's like, <laughs> it's so similar. You put this prize prospect on the top line as a, oh, look, let's shake things up. He's earned it. He's played well. One game where things don't go well for him, and he's demoted to the fourth line. And he's been left wing, right wing, all over the place. Like, what are we doing with this kid? Figure it out. He's. I, I want him to lock in somewhere, right? If it's not, yep. I, I like that they put him on the top line. I like that the game will look there. I think those players, Taves and Sod, are good enough to handle whatever mistakes he might make, right? So that to me makes a lot of sense. I was excited when I saw that. Plus, you bring you bring Richard Panic down. That helps that line. I like that a lot better. Uh, with Sharp and Anisimov, it just, that makes a lot of sense to me. But one game, you're giving them one game, a 2-1 loss to the defending conference champs, a defensive stalwart team, and you're going to send them on a fourth line? I just wonder about the head games that plays with the kid. That's my mm-hmm. that's my concern. I don't care that you know maybe he hasn't played well enough to earn top-line time. Fine, I can buy that. Sure. But put him on the fourth line after that. That's got to take a mental toll on a kid, and that's my concern. Is how does it affect him mentally? Yep. Well, I, I have two things that I'd like to point out that are related to DeBrenkit. The first is I'm struggling to figure out why Patrick Sharp, who has been no sort of offensive threat whatsoever. Unless got, he's on a breakaway he doesn't score on. Right, exactly. Got five minutes of power play time against Colorado last night, and DeBrenkit didn't even crack two minutes. Like... Well, if and you're Sh- going to use Alex Debrinkit, you use it when you have more space, well, right? Yes, and Sharp is one of the main culprits of that power play BS of like trying to make the impossible pass. Yep. Or the oh god, and it, I remember the passes through the middle of the ice that are just completely unnecessary, or the camping out in the low percentage shot area that he's never getting the puck in in an opportunity to put it on or in the net. Yes, you don't hang out in that area unless you're Artemi Panarin, and you can connect on ti- one timer after one timer after one timer. When Sharp gets that pass, he's got to settle the puck down, then get a shutoff. It's inevitably blocked and knocked out of play, and then all momentum is lost. Right. When Panarin mm-hmm. could do it, it was a one-step thing. Pass, shot, boom. Great, that works. The play that worked with Patrick Sharp in the past was him along the goal line, waiting for that cross-crease pass. But that got scouted out. Every team knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, I don't I don't like that. And this is, has been one of our criticisms of Q for a long time, is his loyalty to his veterans. And, you know, Patrick Sharp at $850,000 makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to criticize him being on the team. But... Look, when your power play is as horrible as it is, you've got to try something new. Put someone else out there. Put the Brinkin mm-hmm. out there that can generate some offense and generate some speed that with his limited size, use that to to his to your advantage 
a guy that small can slip behind some coverages, can disappear on the ice a little bit. Use that. Instead, no. He's on the fourth line with Tommy F and Wingles. Like, what's that <laughs> going to do? What does it accomplish? Nothing. Damn it. And the other thing I wanted to point out is a bit more of a positive thing in relation to Alex DeBrincat. His former line mate, apparently, actually played really well last night. I liked what I saw out of Artem and Isimov in that Colorado game. Well, he's been I killing feel- penalties like a champ. I, I really liked what I seen, saw from him on a PK the last two games. Yes, he has been excellent at that. He won the majority of his face-offs last night. He was playing with a lot of speed and aggressiveness. And I think you saw Joel Quenville responded to that and gave him more ice time last night as a result because he played a ton on the power play, a ton shorthanded. He was all over the place. I was very impressed with him last night. All right, one more guy I want to ask you about, too, who's turned my head a lot lately, and that's John Hayden. Mm-hmm. I think that he has been really good and has earned the promotion he got, uh, got bumped up. And, and, man, he's got more speed than I thought. Do you agree with that? Is he faster than you gave him credit for? No, I think no, – I think- Let's give ourselves some credit here. I think you recognized that speed last season. I feel like you I feel like you noticed it when he came in. You kind of noticed the effect that he had on the lines that he was on. I, I think that that's not necessarily a revelation, but it's great to see again. It's great to see that he hasn't like come out flash in the pan and then gone away. I feel like he's been a very solid NHL player and I feel like he's like you said, well-deserved promotion getting bumped up the board and i think the only question i'm going to have is where ultimately does he fit in on this roster like what does joel quenville envision him being does he envision him being a top six winger or possibly like a center on a line at some point like what what's the end stage game plan for john hayden i feel like you're maybe doing him a bit of a disservice by continuously juggling the lineup around i feel like he might benefit from being with a consistent line mate or two because I feel like there's a lot to like about his game and there, I, I want to maximize that ability because when you've got a good thing going on when you've got so many other things going poorly you want to cultivate and grow that good thing and that's what John Hayden is right now I had an odd observation about him the other night and he reminded me of a guy and if I gave you a million guesses you wouldn't guess this player but something about his game. Ryan Klo. No. You got it. No. Um. <laughs> that, you, I, I'm pretty sure you would have melted into a puddle of blubbering WTF if that had happened. No. Uh, it's a former Hawk. I'll give you a clue. No. No, that narrows it down considerably. All right. He How about is, Christopher Steig? That's it. He, no! He, he is, yes! He's Christopher Steig with size. <laughs> the way he skates, the way he handles the puck, the way he, uh, the way he, he plays with aggression. When I say that, I don't mean like physical check you into the boards, but Versteeg in his day was kind of like a wrecking ball. He would go in there and 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 go to the hard areas and get the puck, and it had the ability to score. Imagine that dude and and John Hayden's body. Now I don't know if he's gonna have those sort of offensive numbers, that sort of offensive output, but the just looking at him on the ice. A very, I don't know if it's a similar stride or something, but something about his game reminds me of Christopher Stieg. I wonder if I'm the only one who sees that. But you said it. Were you just pulling it out of your ass, or did you actually think about it? 
Um, I see. I saw kind of where you were going with the way you were describing his game, and so I made. I will call it an educated pull it out of my ass guess. <laughs> All right, you knew which part of your ass to pull from. Just Apparently, to... <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. Well, and yeah. Speaking of your, <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for you to like somehow turn that into a transition to an ad. That's how conditioned I am for your analogies. Now, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that good. I'm not that good. But uh, no, I, it's funny. I, I just. I'm probably crazy, and there's, when it's all said and done, there'll be nothing alike. But just there's something about his skating stride or something that reminds me of Versteeg. I don't know. I'm going to keep a closer eye on it because I just noticed it last night. Uh, but from here on out, I'm going to just kind of watch him, and you know, maybe everyone will hate him at the end of his time, and then he'll do the whole full Chris Versteeg World Tour where he's yep. beloved and hated in two short years. Mm-hmm. And then come back to the Blackhawks for a second and a third time, and yeah, it's probably what's going to happen. And then a wrap at the Cup Rally. And if that happens, Uh, we'll all be happy, right? Correct. All right. Well, it is that time of show. It's time to do the emails. But before we do that, just real quick, got a new partnership on the podcast. I want to tell you about SeatGiant.com, place to go to find tickets that are sold out. Check them out. Hawks tickets, Cubs tickets, Bears tickets, whatever you need. Go to SeatGiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE to check out, and you will save. With that, we'll be right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com for numbers and location. Chuck's is the greatest. They've got the best food you'll find in barbecue and Mexican and Cajun and American. Any sort of cuisine like that you're looking for, Chuck's is going to have it for you. I say it all the time. But there's something for everyone at Chuck's, whether you're a uh, plain hamburger kind of a guy or you're a, an exotic Cajun dish kind of a guy or gal. Uh, Chuck's has what you want. They're amazing. They're on 79th Street in Burbank and on Cass Avenue in Darien. Go check them out. My favorite thing there is the Cochinita Pabil. That's the Saturday special. Check that out. The barbecue nachos, the Chicago wings, everything at Chuck's is outstanding. So go visit Chuck'sCafe.com and see our friends. You'll like it, I promise. It's really, 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 really good. And that's my testimonial for Chuck's. And by the way, I wanted to point out to uh, listeners of this show that we do go to these places that sponsor our podcast, and I, in fact, am planning on going to Chuck's Oh, hey, by the way, Wednesday, I'm going to be in Bourbonnais. I'm doing a talk at uh, Olivet. Yeah, remember the... uh, They used to let us use their studios... Uh, to record the podcast so brian who runs the shine fm down there said hey would you mind coming and talking to my class so wednesday i'm going to be down in bourbon a are you going to be there are you going to be at work what time Uh, i think my talk's at four or 3 30 or four yeah i won't be back in town until i'm not waiting around for you pal sorry (laughs) i i don't blame you well i'm not that cool i'll no in-person podcast for you we'll get we'll do one soon promise you know what you know what we should do i just had this idea jay let's have an on-air uh plan meeting for our social life. that was what p- you should plan do. meeting not clan meeting just to be clear i yeah whatever i you know what who cares who cares no one listens <laughs> to this show anyway uh, <laughs> that's not true either all right all right I'm no what's our plan yeah here's what we do i i will see if i can get out of work early on wednesday and what I can do is we can meet at the world's greatest Buffalo Wild Wings, newly remodeled, by the way. 
and watch the Hawks game. Ooh, that's Wednesday. appealing. Let me see what's going on. Let me talk to them. Uh, let me talk to the fam and see what's going on. I'll talk to my people. All you right, talk good. To your people. Uh, I, people yeah. are going to show up now, and they're going to we're going to be mobbed by fans. Great, James. What what have you done? Uh, so many fans in Bourbon A. Yep. All right, first email right. of the show here is from James N. in Bourbon A. He says, hey, Jay, you dumbass. I heard you mention uh, John Hayden as a Christopher Steed comparison last year. Thanks for your email, James. <laughs> I have forgotten that. I have had several concussions in my life, and that's what I chalk it up to. Thank you for the email. You're not winning a card. Uh, next email here from Sasha. I hope I'm saying that right. He says, hey, guys, big fan of the show. It helps feed my craving for Blackhawks coverage as I currently live and work in enemy territory up in Vancouver, Canada. Eh, we don't care about the Canucks anymore. Uh, you guys have mentioned a few times that you believe the Blackhawks should or will trade for a D-man this season. I disagree. They almost certainly should not. The only reason the Blackhawks should trade for a D-man is if they somehow, through a mix of genius, trickery, or dark magic, get one of 10 of Truba or OEL, Oliver ekman Larson. Now, obviously, there are other D-men I'd love to have, but the likes of Dowdy, Hedman, Carlson aren't getting moved, and the Blackhawks couldn't make the cap work anyway. Um, any any D-man short of those three will not have the requisite impact on the team to make the necessary expenditure of assets worthwhile. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. hmm. He goes on, hmm. the Blackhawks window is closing, and it's a dangerous time. It's a time when GMs get desperate to keep the window open for just a little longer and throw good assets after bad on middling additions who make no significant impact. Additions that might get a bubble team into the playoffs only to get crushed in the first round, for example. Not worth it. Save the assets, bide your time, wait for a legitimate significant piece to hit the market, then put together a package of the best assets you haven't already wasted on the Mike Greens or Jason Garrisons of the world. I like that email. That's well thought out. That's solid stuff. And Yeah, that was... That was that was a lot of thought. Well, and I don't know if stuff. Sasha is alluding to Johnny Oduya last year, but I think he might be. And that's a really good example. I think that's exactly And I, I fell into that trap, too. Of mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they, they need one more vet. Oduya knows the system. Yeah, he sucked. He was awful. <laughs> he was awful, and he didn't help at all. If anything, he was a detriment. So I, I see what you're saying. I, I And I don't know, you know, I, I don't think they're going to trade to Brinkett or anything like that. If they do trade for a defenseman, I don't think it's going to be any sort of franchise-altering uh, prospect you're going to give up, but they've got a glut of offensive talent. They've got a lot of guys like Henestroza and, uh, you know, 14 and guys like that on the, on the horizon. They can't all be here. They can't all play. So if you trade someone like that, like, it, like would losing Vinny Henestroza at this point really damage the long-term franchise, you know, success? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I I think that you know he's on the right track though. You you don't want to just want... do it to do it, and you don't right, want to give exactly. up the world for like, you know a big name that maybe isn't worth it anymore. I totally understand that. I, I and I also do not think they're in a position anymore where they can afford to give up first round picks for guys like Andrew Ladd. Just saying. our next email here from Kevin Peak. By the way, if you have one emailer of the show before, you should have or will be soon receiving your packages your tickets and your uh, chuck's breakfasts thank you for your patience just a lot of work to get all that done and there's a couple winners that have not gotten back to us so if you were the winner of the doug bodgers uh card uh oh i got the mark osborne guy email back or the chris gratton card so doug bodger or chris gratton send me your name and address and i'll get your chuck's breakfasts out to you 
Um, but yeah, no one responded on those, so that's disappointing. All right, uh, one of our one of, one of our winners, Kevin Peak emails. He says, "Okay, guys, here's my take on the Seabrook contract Bowman made. I believe Seabrook Seabrook was paid for the past. Think about it. Seabrook has done everything for this team over the Cup runs, and always was to national folks the guy in the background. He did take less money over the years. Now he's breaking down right before our eyes. That is why when Hammer got traded, I wasn't as upset." as I believe his body breakdown is coming soon. He's having a really bad year so far, by the way. We can be upset about the dumbass length of the deal, but I think this is more about getting what he deserved for the years he put in. Yes, you never pay a player for the past, but it is what it is, so the Seabrook hate can stop your thoughts, my friends. I think we kind of echo that. I think that's probably true, uh, that, hey, look, you took some money here in the past, some less money you know, to make things work for us here, a million less here or there. Here's a makeup, but you don't make it eight years. You don't make it a no, no. trade clause. Sorry. Hunter, I, I, I 100% disagree with the notion that they reward him for taking less money. We are in a salary cap dominated league, and your top six players already account for that much of your oh, salary no. cap. Sorry, sorry, Brent. Fall on the sword. You don't get more money I, just because. I of that. agree with you. They should never do that, but I think it's what they may have done. And I did, and I think it was the wrong. Oh no decision. doubt, that's hundred percent true. Yes, <laughs> it was the wrong decision. Yeah, if that if that if that's the case, they absolutely should not have done that. And I, I don't think it's okay if that's like I'm not going to go. Oh, well, here's when no, you do that. Okay, if I'm Stan Gladly. Bowman and that's what I want to do, you last when Brent Seabrook was signed to this current deal, you say, look, four year deal. Here's you know five five and a half million dollars. When it's over, we're going to sign you to a one-year deal for an extra million, million and a half, whatever, to make up for it. That's it. You don't put it all on one with a no-movement clause for eight years. I'm sorry. That's not how you thank a guy. And if that's what Stan Bowman was doing, he made a huge mistake. I think it's pretty simple. All right. Well, that's it for the emails. Do you have a winner? I think the winner is clearly Sasha. Yeah, and unfortunately, it sounds like Sasha will not be able to uh, take advantage of uh, uh, Chucks, but going to get an awesome All right, let's see. I'm going to be a little sure. more selective here. Let's see if I can find a... I'm going to grab a stack and see if there's any Canucks in here just to taunt him. Let's see. We got Mark yeah. Tenorti. <laughs> here, you picked the card, too. All right. A Mark Tenorti oh, stars God. card. Sergey Makarov, Calgary Flames. Peter yeah. Sidorkowitz, Hartford Whalers. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, you know I have a soft spot in my heart for anyone with Dork in their name and who played for Hartford. That's a two for Todd there. Harvey, Dallas Stars. Remember Todd Harvey? What a pain in the ass that guy was. No, I don't. No, I don't. It sounds Bob like Bob Airy, Sharks. <laughs> John Slaney, Capitals. Boy, this is a stack of crap if I've ever seen one. Oh, God. Patrick <laughs> Kernback. Oh, God. Derek Plant. That's the best player I picked so far. That's scary. That is horrifying. His uh, father, John. Craig Johnson. Really one of the Flying Johnson brothers. Another uh, another fake-sounding name. Fred Kipshear. Boston Bruins. Boy, Dave uh, Reed, Boston Bruins. And here's your winner. A Guy Lefleur, 1991 Chicago Stadium All-Star card. Let's give him this one. All right, that's a cool Hell one. Hell yeah. That's Absolutely. a cool one. All right, you get Guy Lefleur, which is Spanish for the flower. Guy Lefleur. 
Um, it's French. I know. I'm not an idiot. Um, all right. Any any final thoughts before we wrap things up, James? Uh, no. I think we're pretty. I think we've pretty much uh, said everything that needs to be said. I want to see. I, I need to see more. Period. End of story from the Blackhawks. Then they've shown their last couple of games, and they've got a few games, a few days to regroup here, and hopefully when they come back out, they'll come out with some more intensity, some more speed, and we'll get back to the good old days when they were beating the Pittsburgh Penguins 10-1. to 1. I want... I want that back, man. I want it back. Let's live in that time. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. We'll talk to you soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. No, it's from Geico because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hot flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck, a board-certified OBGYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a Bonafide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to HelloBonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's HelloBonafide.com and code RADIO39. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only.